welcome to the Cake Adjacent Podcast, a once a weekish update on all things food, family, community, gardening, whatever. We call it Sidecar. If it has to do with the rituals around food and holidays, making food or taking it places, or remembering what we were eating during important times in our lives, we'll talk about it here. I am your host and bestie, Jen Colesaw, coming to you from the soulless suburbs of Northern Virginia. Hello, my lovelies. I hope that you had a good week and a half since I talked to you last and that your small people who went back to school did so without incident and that you are ready for the heat wave and the humidity to end like I am. I know my friends in the middle of the country are suffering mightily and I am sending you some cool air vibes. So I was looking over my notes that I make during the week in advance of writing the podcast on the weekend. Um, I jot down thoughts or uh, I use um, speech to text to remind myself of things I want to talk about. And all I had written in my open word document was, and I quote, some of the worst meals ever. And I'm not really sure what I was going to talk about. I mean, I think I know what I was going to talk about because it's never about the food. It's always about what kind of traumatic event happened at the table. But I'm going to save that for another day because now I have other things I want to talk about. And it's kind of the opposite of worst meals. It's about some of the best meals. So today is my mother's birthday. And we are a big family of celebrating birthdays, love celebrating birthdays. I like to celebrate mine for the whole month. Last year, you might remember that it was my mom's first birthday in her new apartment, and I paid to have a lemon cake with raspberry filling um, be the dessert in the dining room, and all the residents and the staff came out and sang happy birthday to her, and they made it a whole thing. And I sent 300 of those lint truffle balls to Catherine because I could not send them to mom because she would have eaten them all um, who had dinner with her that night and and Catherine and mom gave them away to all the other residents to celebrate my mother's birthday I didn't want her first birthday in a new place after 50 years in her old place not to be celebrated I even sent extra funding when I paid for the cake to pay it forward to another person living at Chester Village, someone who maybe didn't have kids to call up and arrange a birthday party for them. As it happened, the manager of the dining room, Matt, left, and he moved to the senior living center where my brother-in-law, Dennis, works. And one of the first things that he did was institute a birthday program for the residents there based on the one that we did together to celebrate moms. But previous years, mom's birthday, or at least around around mom's birthday, usually around the last week or so of August, that weekend was always spent in Connecticut celebrating with her and Gordy. Facebook reminded me that 10 years ago, we went out to dinner at the Old Lime Inn. And man, we had such a good time like we always did. Gordy loved so much taking us out to dinner. 
probably partially because then he didn't have to clean up afterwards, which was his chore. And so when I tell you over and over and over again in this podcast how much I enjoyed my mother's company and how much I would love going to Connecticut for a long weekend or five days or whatever, it was never an obligation or a chore. It was something that I always looked forward to doing. Sometimes Ben was with me. Sometimes he stayed home. Sometimes he was traveling. Um, It didn't really matter because it was really about me and mom and Gordy being together. There was always some little chore to be done, some computer problem that needed to be fixed, and a longstanding joke between me and Kat that mom would always remember to get Ben's favorite kind of beer, but she could never somehow remember to get me a few Cokes, which was my drink of choice. And that passive-aggressive bullshit goes way back. She would tell me I drank too much Coke. And I would tell her that I was going to take up heroin instead. And, you know, the fact that she would, she would withhold like the, my one vice, which was sugar water, um, from a person who smoked cigarettes and drank and took Valium when she was pregnant with me, of course, is not lost on me. Anyway, we would have a perfectly lovely weekend of family meals and computer fixes and maybe a walk to the cemetery or a nature walk to look at some birds, a trip to the AMP, which later became the big Y, and that was always a topic of discussion. Maybe breakfast with Catherine, a visit to Ocean State Job Lot, which always loved to do Ocean State Job Lot. All of these things, minus my beloved stepfather, of course, could be accomplished at mom's new place, except here's the thing. Mom's not there. I don't know who that person is that lives in that apartment with my mom's stuff and my mom's cats, but she's an awful narcissist and she's selfish and manipulative and she's unkind and she's not at all interested in anything anyone else has to say, and I don't like her. We rarely talk anymore. Maybe we've spoken four times this summer. And, you know, we used to talk a couple times a week, plus email every couple days. And when we do talk, she asks me when I'm going to visit. And it's clear to me that she doesn't want me to visit. She just wants someone to come up and do things for her. And she wants someone new to wear out because poor Catherine is on her last good nerve with mom. And this all breaks my heart. And it's extra shitty because so many of my dear friends are missing their mothers who are no longer with us. And here I have a mother and I don't really want to have anything to do with her anymore. I want my father and my stepfather back. There, I said it. I never thought I would be a person who would hold no grace in her heart for an aging parent. But between my childhood and now this adulthood, I think all of the grace has been wrung out of my heart. What's that saying that you can't draw water from an empty well? There's so many things that I would like to talk to her about work and politics and the tree that fell on the house and Blueberry and Rufus and my side hustle at the animal hospital and the Maui fires and what life is like at 
her new apartment and does she need anything and how's the food and you know maybe we'd even talk about this podcast if our relationship was better because maybe I wouldn't be talking about how awful our relationship is in the podcast there have been so many things that I would seek her counsel on like I had in the past but that relationship is just gone and I don't know how to mourn it because I seem to be the only one missing it. So anyway, while so many of my childhood traumas were at the dinner table, so many, so many that I had a decades long eating disorder from those dinner table traumas. It was around the dinner table as an adult that I have some of my fondest memories with mom and Gordy and I am missing that today so much that I feel like I am wearing a thunder shirt that is three sizes too small. And I might as well get all the melancholia out of the way up front. I am not going to Hawaii with Ben this trip for a number of reasons. It is absolutely a first world problem to be even vocalizing this. Suffice it to say that airfare is cost prohibitive, and we don't have anyone to look after the dogs, and it just seems like not a great time to be taking up resources. We had decided um, earlier that we were not going to stay for a week on the North Shore after the conference was over anyway, like we normally would. So all I would be doing is hanging around the hotel room in Waikiki, and honestly, that is not fun for me. I did not have a good time last year. That made me sad. And if I'm going to be sad, I might as well be sad at home. And maybe next year it'll be different. And related news, I am so proud of our online community. We collectively raised between direct donations and the bonfire t-shirt sales, what looks to be over $4,000 for Maui Humane Society, Hawaii Community Foundation, Maui Strong Fund, and the Maui Food Bank. And you all make me so honored to be your friend. So good work, everybody. That's awesome. Okay, so in other news that won't make anybody cry, the contractor just showed up to take the tree off the house and to do all the other work needed to fix the roof. The insurance situation was relatively painless, although it did take a few weeks. But to be fair, we did not have an emergency, so we could wait. Fingers crossed that this turns into a long-term relationship with Marco because we can always use a handyman to help us with things around the house. Some things I am just not comfortable with Ben learning on YouTube, like electricity. But man, I would give almost anything to replace all the cabinet fronts in the kitchen with glass front doors. And somewhat related to that, longtime listeners to the podcast will remember that I tried to hire a house cleaning service when I had cancer and I was roundly shamed by the dude for the state of our house, who, by the way, that guy was an asshole, but still that stung and I clearly am nursing that wound. And hello, uh, if I didn't need help, uh, while I had cancer keeping my house clean, I wouldn't have called you, you dry fucking biscuit. Anyway, Ben needed a new pair of work shoes. And so we went to the outlets yesterday. And by the way, I did not buy one thing. 
that's not true. I, I got a Coke. Uh, and on the way home, we were following this teeny little red car with black spots on it. It's maybe like a Fiat or, or an Alfa Romeo, or maybe it was a Mini. I don't even remember, but it was a, just one of those little tiny red cars. And on, on the back of it, it said Barushka Cleaning Company. And Ben says, is that a ladybug on that car? And so I looked up what Barushka meant, and sure enough, it's Czech for ladybug. And so I looked at the website for Barushka Cleaning Company, and it's this woman um, who came to the United States in 2008 and started her own business, and all her cars look like ladybugs because her mom, when she was a kid, was in a little dance troupe where they all dressed like little ladybugs. And so it is named after her mom, who was a Barushka. Now, I feel like this is a sign because you know how I feel about ladybugs and I should call her. But of course, I probably won't because I don't want to be clutter shamed again. But her cars were super cute. There's a picture of um, all of her cars um, in her garage uh, on her website. And anyway, I saved the telephone number just in case. Moving on. We got the first of our super hot peppers out of the garden finally. Ben threw them into the dehydrator last night, and we'll either grind them up or put them into powder or put them in an airtight jar and use them for something. I do not love hot peppers and things. I do not like hot food, um, but I appreciate that other people do, and I love making things with hot peppers because other people like it so much. At the farmer's market in Dale City, one of the of the farmers sells these banker boxes full of the California, excuse me, the Carolina Reapers and the Trinidad Scorpion Peppers for hot sauces. Last year, uh, Ben made a hot honey, which is basically honey with hot pepper oil that he made from, well, hot peppers, and he puts it on everything. One year we made our own hot sauce. And here's a pro tip. You absolutely, positively need protective eye gear. Either get swim goggles, or they actually make something called onion goggles, which are far more comfortable. Um, although, when, since we've made that sauce, I have also found some good protective eye gear for our stream monitoring that would also work very well and are quite comfortable. Um, the thing about the onion goggles is that they're, um, they have like neoprene around them because they kind of make a seal and they can get really hot working in the kitchen. But anyway. Just know that when you're working with splashy stuff that wants to burn you, you absolutely want to protect your eyeballs. Apples and pears are showing up at the farmer's market and peaches are on their way out. Last week, I bought a case of peaches, which is about 25 or 30 pounds. And last night I skinned and pitted them and put them all in the freezer for cooler days when I will make all kinds of peach deliciousness. I may get one more batch of peaches tomorrow at the markets, and then I'll have everything that I could possibly need for peach stuff. I saw some of those nice red plums today, but man, they are expensive. And, you know, I need like 10 pounds of them, and I just don't know if I want to spend, you know, $60 on plums. The one thing that doesn't freeze well are apples. So when it's full on apple season, I will buy a case or two of apples and pears and make apple and pear sauce and maybe a few big jars of apple pie filling. 
There's an ice cream place, Nathan's Dairy Bar, and in that way where big towns are starting to feel like small towns to me here in Northern Virginia, only 15 years later, Nathan's is besties with the vet that I work for. And I've even met their dog. His name is Harry. Um, they do this thing in the fall with hot apples as a topping for their ice cream, and it is so good. It's basically hot apple pie filling, uh, and they put it on top of whatever flavor ice cream you want. I think I would just pick vanilla soft serve. Yes, indeedy. I might have to try to recreate that with my own special touches, like maybe add pears and maple syrup. And I am not sure if I have told you, but unironically enough, Ben and I have become the coleslaw experts of the community. Back in the olden days when we would eat at Chick-fil-A, they had this coleslaw that was so delicious, but they discontinued it. But I found a recipe online and Ben has been tweaking it and now it is absolutely perfect. We even have a version of it that we make with agave syrup instead of sugar for a friend who was watching his blood sugar. Anyway, we make a batch every week now and eat it with everything, including as a condiment on sandwiches. So sometimes we'll get a pork butt and put it in the slow cooker and then have pulled pork sandwiches with a layer of coleslaw on a brioche. And it's just sublime. I think next year we're going to have to grow some cabbage. Although honestly, it's one of those things that's so cheap at the farmer's market, I'm happy to pay somebody else for a cabbage. And speaking of things we're making, today we made a quick chicken soup and we canned it using the electric pressure canner that I got last winter and still hadn't used. It took three hours for us to pressure can three quarts of soup, so it is not terribly efficient, but it seems to have worked. Uh, so that will be two things to add to my New Year's resolution of learn new things, tie-dye and pressure canning. Oh, and next up, ukulele lessons. More about that in the next podcast if the music school near the vet hospital returns my email. Okay, so that pretty much catches you up on my week, although I will just add that Work, work was a drag drag, but what are you going to do? I mean, if it was supposed to be fun, they'd call it something else, right? It's a paycheck and no one hits me with a ruler. So I feel like I'm getting out um, on the plus side there. Oh, oh, uh, blueberry update. I talked to Dr. Kazmierski, who is the cat vet at the animal hospital, about what monsters Murder Kitten and Sister Helen are with blueberry. And we came up with a plan of aromatherapy. Um, which are the feel-away diffusers for multi-cat households, comfort zone collars, which are collars that are um, infused with um, pheromones, and some supplement that I can't remember, uh, which is basically a precursor, a precursor to giving them Prozac. Um, and by them, I mean the murder kittens. Uh, Blueberry does not need medication, but the, those two do. I'll keep you posted. Um, everyone else is fine with him, although Pete popped him good a few times this week when he was being an annoying little prat. But you know what? That's fine because, you know, Pete's an elder states cat and Blueberry has to learn his place in the hierarchy. But it's the stalking and the bullying from the murder twins that has to stop. Okay, 
So do you want to talk about some food holidays for the rest of the month and then maybe um, a couple teasers for September? So late to the day today, but it is International Dog Day, which means pizza bones and those little Rachel Ray meatballs for everyone, including you. It's also Cherry Popsicle Day, and that's probably not my favorite flavor popsicle. I love banana popsicles. Oh my gosh, I love banana popsicles. I love that fake banana flavor. I love that fake banana color. I love everything about banana popsicles. Uh, orange popsicles, also love orange popsicles a lot. A lot more than cherry popsicles. And I, let me ask you this. When did neon blue come to signify raspberry? Anyway. Sunday, August 27th, is Crab Soup Day, and I really cannot think of anything I would like less in 95-degree heat and almost complete humidity uh, as uh, crab soup. Plus, I don't like shellfish, so that's a double no for me. But it is Chocolate Pot de Creme Day, which is like pudding, but so much richer. Big fan. But take note, my friends, if I eat it at night, I absolutely will have heartburn. So it is much better as a breakfast treat. It's also Banana Lover's Day. Hey, that's me. I'm a banana lover. It's me. I love bananas. I love banana yogurt and banana milkshakes and banana ice cream and banana pudding and banana bread and peanut butter and banana sandwiches and bananas in my yogurt or oatmeal or sandwiches or bananas just by themselves. I think bananas are like eggs, a perfect food Although, honestly, bananas are even more perfect than eggs because you do not need to prep them first, aside from peeling them. And yes, I will fight you on this. Monday, August 28th, is one of my favorites, Cherry Turnovers Day. And I know I have told you many, many times on this podcast how much I love those Pepperidge Farm frozen fruit turnovers. And the cherry ones are just so good. I might get some for the week. I should really learn how to make them, though. Um, I've actually never made anything with cherry, um, filling stuff. Uh, whenever I do anything with cherries, it's, it's to make boozy cherries and I've never made any like cherry pie or cherry filling. Um, so when I make turnovers, probably won't be cherry. It'll probably be like apple or peach or blueberry or whatever. Um, but anyway, I recommend getting some. Yum, yum, yum. Tuesday is more herbs, less salt day. And all right, whatever. I don't know why. I, I, these, these sort of holidays don't make any sense to me. But it's also whiskey sour day. And since I don't care about either of those things, I'm going to make up my own two days. And they are going to be, let me see, saltwater taffy day. And somewhere else I saw that it was lemon juice day. So let's also make it lemon drop martini day. Because even though you know I'm not much of a drinker, I absolutely love myself a good lemon drop martini. They will kill me, but I love them. They're like my kryptonite. Anyway, Wednesday, the 30th, is toasted marshmallow day. And I'll tell you, I don't eat a lot of s'mores because we just don't hang around a lot of campfires that often, but I do love them. What I don't love is things that are s'mores flavor. Either give me a fresh made s'more that is still s'warm, get it, s'warm, 
anyway, or just don't bother. And by the way, let me just put this little bug in your ear. Instead of Hershey bars for the chocolate, try some of those Lind truffle balls. You're welcome. I'm a big fan of marshmallows, though. And today at the grocery store, I bought some Halloween Rice crispy cereal. And it's orange because that's somehow spooky. And I might make some Rice crispy treats with it. And I was just thinking while I was writing my podcast that if I put some mini chocolate chips in it, it would look just like mouse droppings. And that, my friends, is in fact scary. Thursday, August 31st, is Eat Outside Day. So that means it's a total free-for-all. Just do it outside. So I'm 100% on board with that. And it is also National Trail Mix Day. And here's what I put in my favorite trail mix when I am traveling. I like to carry my own little bag of snacks. Raisins, dried cranberries, multigrain Cheerios, walnuts, slivered toasted almonds, dried pineapple chunks, little chunks of granola if I have any, and cheddar cheese goldfish. I do not put chocolate in my trail mix. Um, no. That's a, like, I like chocolate to be a little bit separate from my trail mix. Okay, so that is the food holidays to the end of August. Now, because we are at the end of August, you know what we do Thursday night, Friday morning, right? Right? We say rabbit, rabbit, rabbit for good luck first thing in the morning on Friday before we do anything else, before we pick up our phones to see whether the Yankees are still in last place. Spoiler alert, they are. Before we ask Siri for the joke of the day, before we call room service, oops, I mean our spouses for our morning caffeinated beverage, we say rabbit, rabbit, rabbit for good luck all month long. Now, here's the thing. Many of you, I'm not going to name names, you make it a point to tell me that you didn't do it, that you forgot, that you didn't say you meant to set alarm, you didn't set an alarm, you forgot to do it. And I'm not sure how many times I need to tell you that if you don't do it, don't tell me because you cut me to the bone with your inaction and I don't want to think poorly of you. Do you really want me to blame you for all the shitty things that are going to happen in September? No. So get your rabbits done or keep your trap shut about forgetting. I mean, honestly, some of you definitely coast on the rabbits of the rest of us, and it's time for you to start pulling your weight. We're getting awfully close to election season again and hurricane season. Here are some teasers for next month's food holidays. It is National Biscuit Month and Better Breakfast Month. It is National Chicken Month as well as Cholesterol Education Month. It is National Honey Month, National Mushroom Month, Organic Harvest Month, Papaya Month. Here's a big one. National Potato Month. Make a note of that. It's also National Rice Month. I love rice. I love riced potatoes. And the first week of September is Waffle Week. So there are lots of things to celebrate, and I feel pretty good about giving you plenty of notice for once. Just remember, though, all that goes away if you don't do your rabbits. We'll end up with Tagus Month. Vegemite Month. Chipped Beef on Toast Month. Potato Lost in a Drawer Month. Is that what you want? 
No, say your rabbits. Okay, this is where I leave you. If you like the content and you want to support me in some smaller medium way and get the occasional piece of snail mail in your actual mailbox, plus extra thoughts and writing, photographs, poetry corner, the occasional bonus podcast, heads up when there are sales cool stuff, usually around food or baking, please consider subscribing to the Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash twochocolatecakes. I'll see you next week, but until then, remember, make sure your voter registration is up to date. Um, with redistricting and everything, you just want to make sure that you didn't get dropped off of any voter rolls. I don't know what's happening where you all live, but um, all of my local offices are up for grabs this November, and there is no election that is too small. You have to vote in all of them to make sure that we are protecting the marginalized among us. And if you think that white Christian nationalist voices are the ones being marginalized, my dudes, you are on the wrong podcast. I will see you next week.